0: Welcome to CBJN30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Here we are once again. It's the beginning of the week. It is Monday. You know what Monday is. Monday is the day I answer all of your Blue Jackets questions. Great to have you aboard here today. I am in... San Jose. I had to think for a second. Where am I? Where am I at today? Where? Yeah, San Jose. That's where I'm at today. Bringing you this uh, Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30. So glad to have you aboard. Glad to uh, be here to answer your questions. Some of you have already sent your questions to me via Twitter at BobbyMaxSports. If you haven't done that, you can uh, go ahead and send your question to me that way. Or if you are live on Twitter Spaces right now, you can join me that way as well. All you have to do is request to be a speaker and I will bring you up on Twitter spaces and you can ask your question live. It's really weird for me today because here I am, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And there most of you are at 1 o'clock in the afternoon back in the east. So a uh, morning show for me, afternoon show for you. But again, when it's all said and done, it is the same show. It is what we always do on Mondays when we get together. Now, it's a little bit different this week because in recent weeks, there have been some, you know, some positive things to talk about. With the Blue Jackets, uh, you know, they've uh, won some games that, um, you know, they won some big games in the last few weeks, let's be honest about it. They knocked off some big opponents. But since the trade deadline has come and gone, it's been a little bit different for the Blue Jackets. They are in struggle mode right now. And uh, here we are with just, what, 17, 18 games left during the regular season to get through it. And the Blue Jackets are are just trying to find a way to muddle through it and get some points when they can. They want to put together – they want to put together some wins. There's no question about that. But they are just uh, having a hard time in doing that lately. So uh, it is the, the nature of the business, I guess, uh, when you are sitting where they are, which is uh, in last place in the National Hockey League. It is, uh, you know, to be expected to some extent, I guess. But, uh, you know, they've been playing so well. This week was a heartbreaker week. You had that loss in Pittsburgh where you're up 4 to nothing in the second period. You end up losing in overtime. Five to four, uh, Crosby with the dagger through the heart again for the uh, Penguins against the Blue Jackets. Then you don't play until Saturday, and you take on the St. Louis Blues. And St. Louis comes out of there with a, a five to two win over the Blue Jackets. So it was, um, it just was not not so fun of a week, right? It was not fun this week. So here's to uh, seeing what this week holds. Game tomorrow night here in San Jose. Of course, the Sharks they're dropping like a rock. In the standings, uh, ever since the trade deadline, they have uh, they're they're the next challenger to the Blue Jackets in the corner uh, Connor Bedard the potential Connor Bedard sweepstakes, I should say. You've got to win a lottery, but the Sharks are falling fast in the overall standings. Um, that game tomorrow night here in San Jose. Then it's on to Los Angeles to take on the Kings, a Kings team that is poised pretty well for the playoffs right now, trying to get to the top of their division and hold on to that. Then you've got uh, Anaheim, who has been a cellar-dweller throughout the year, but they've been playing uh, better hockey lately. And then it's on to Vegas next week, early next week, and then to Washington because that makes complete sense to go to California and Vegas and then put Washington at the end of the trip. So, anyway, that's that's what we're looking at. That That's what we're going to do throughout the course of this week. So, all right, time for me to get to your question, see what is on your mind. And let's see, mollusk Man is up first. How are you?
1: Hey Bobby Mac. can you hear me? Yeah, I
0: can hear you. Oh, excellent. Um yeah, I uh
1: I had a question regarding um I don't know, maybe if you've heard things or just your personal opinions on the matter. Um I am currently look I currently have our uh cat friendly page open on my computer.
0: Oh. Are you still there? Do you still have it?
1: Yes. Okay, sorry. go ahead. Can you go ahead. Again? Yeah, sorry, yeah I, I, got I got you. I actually got lost for a sec. But yeah. Um...
0: And again. There, not there. There, not there. Are you there?
1: Here. The only uh, RFA I really see um, that would experience any sort of uh, pay bump, and even then, I don't think it would be a super large one, is uh, Chinakov. Um, I guess my sort of question is, um, what sort of moves do you think either through RFA trades or maybe an offer sheet or a trade or anything like that, or a UFA acquisition do you foresee in this future? Are there players we should sort of be mindful of that would fit that description? And please don't tell me Kevin Hayes. Please don't tell me Kevin Hayes. I don't want him.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I wanted Kevin Hayes a couple of years ago. Hello? Yeah, are you there? Can you hear me? I, I don't know what's going on with the connection there, but I, I could hear you. You're talking about um, looking at people who get during the offseason, and yeah, Kevin Hayes, I, I agree with you on that. Kevin Hayes, to me, the problem is, we talked about this a little bit last week. He still has a couple of years left, and he's making, I think it's $7.2 million. So that's a, a pretty hefty price for a guy that is more on the downside of his career right now. Uh, I know he and Johnny Gaudreau are tight. I know that he and Rick Nash are tight. I, I, I get that, I, all of that. But um, I don't know. It's it, it's hard to tell at this point, you know, what's going to be there when it comes to trades. You know, Elias Lindholm's name was uh, tossed about a little bit from the Calgary Flames. And I, I don't know. To me, that's the kind of guy that if, uh, if he were available in some way, shape, or form, uh, I could see the Blue Jackets having interest there. Um, you know, the previous relationship with Johnny Gaudreau would be nice. Uh, and, and he's a good player. I mean, he was a good player when he was in Carolina. He's a good player in Calgary. But as far as the – to me, it's too early to project on all of that stuff because so many things are going to happen. You know, the salary cap's only going up by a million dollars. There are teams that are going to be pinched out, and they're going to lose guys that they don't want to lose. So I, I t- it's just – you know, you can look at it, and you can beat yourself to death on it right now as far as uh, what you might do and who might be there. But you're really not going to know what you're going to do and who's going to be there until we get a little bit further along in it. So um, I, I would say just it starts to sort itself out. As you get into the actual the playoffs, once you get the, the uh, 14 – or how many teams are there now? There are 32 teams. Once you get the 16 teams that aren't in the playoffs – Moved out of the way, and then you start through the playoffs, and then it starts to whittle down and all of that. Then then, then you get a much better sense on what's going on with all of that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's a, for me, it's it's way too early right now to, to start looking at that stuff. But Kevin Hayes, those rumors were there at the trade deadline, and uh, I don't know if – yeah, I just – on the surface, I'm not a big fan of that. The Kevin Hayes that got uh, sent to the Flyers years ago, that Kevin Hayes – I was pretty interested in this. Kevin Hayes, same guy, older, uh, big money. I don't know if I'm so interested in that. Jordan, welcome to the Monday Mailbag. How are you?
2: Good, Bob. And, uh, it's good to hear from everybody. Sorry I hadn't been on a Twitter spaces for about a week. I've been kind of busy with works. So. You know,
0: you don't have to apologize. It's all good. I mean, we do have <laughs> lives. We all have lives. I, I This is part of my life, but... You do have lives that inter- interfere with what's going on, so no need to apologize.
2: <laughs> no, no, I got you. You know, I think, I think, I think everybody doesn't want to see Kevin Hayes come come to Columbus, and I, 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 don't blame him. You know, when I looked at some of the rumors, I mean, who do you see like from other teams? Like, who do you think the Jackets will look in prospect trades? Like from different opposing teams, from your perspective.
0: I don't know. I just said it's it's too early. I mean, they they need. I can tell you what they need position wise. They need centerman. They hope to get that in the draft. Um, you know, if you if you get Connor Bedard, that's great. If you have to pick second, Adam Fantilli's there, and then you got the uh, the Carlson kid third. So they want to make sure that they're picking one, two, or three because that's going to get them a centerman. Those are hard to get in trades, unless you want to overpay for a Kevin Hayes, and, and I mean overpaying his salary for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> But you, they need the centerman, and then they need at least a defenseman to take Vladislav Gavrikov's place uh, on the second pair, left side. And to be quite honest, they probably need two defensemen, and that's including David Yurichik uh, continuing to develop and being in the NHL next year because he's just right. – it's, it's going to take time. We all want to rush it, and he's had a great year in the American Hockey League, but next year is a totally different thing, and he has to make another adjustment. So it's going to take time. So – uh, you know, ideally, they need two defensemen, in my opinion, if they really want to strengthen it up and uh, and, and make this thing what, what they're looking for it to be. And, you know, Jake Bean is coming back. Is he going to be the answer? I don't know. Um, he, he wasn't right. playing fantastic when he went out with the injury this year. Boquist has looked better in recent weeks, and that's because he's finally playing. Is he a long-term answer? Is Nick Blankenberg a long-term answer? As, as much <laughs> as people were going to say, oh, how could you dare? Look. I'm sorry, there, there's some great stuff there with him, but he's he's also shown to be injury-prone, and he's a small guy in a big league, and, and he's going to get knocked around a lot. I mean, is, is that somebody that you're going to say right now, definitely a, a top-six guy for the next three, four years? I don't know. So they're, they're going to be looking in that department. So it's not so much for me right now. It's... It's about the positions they need as far as what players might become available to fill those positions. Again, as everything starts to play itself out is when those answers come along.
2: Right. And, and you know, even, even when I saw, like, when you look at Nadekovich from Parma, how do you see him, like, if, you know, he could be the next, like, backup, too, if, if if something ever did happen, because you know, I mean, Detroit's been putting Larkin on the trade deadline, and all of a sudden he gets an extension. That really, well, you know, you know,
0: he was always getting he was always getting that extension. He was <laughs> never leaving the Red Wings. I could never see Steve Eiserman allowing the captain of the Red Wings, who is from Detroit, to walk away from right. the Red Wings. Okay, no, I mean, absolutely. it was it was great to think about. It was great to fantasize about. Um, and and <laughs> even Dylan Larkin's not a number one center; he's a number two center to be honest.
2: Right, right. But, I mean, every, every player is consistent, and you're absolutely right.
0: But it's, uh, you know, I, I don't. what happened to this guy? I mean, in Carolina, he makes himself a star. Then he gets, uh, they don't want to sign him, and people are scratching their heads. Why don't they want to sign him? Then we saw exactly why, because he went to Detroit and fell off the table. So, look, you will need, that, you are right in this fact. If your goaltending tandem next year happens to be and it looks like it will be, uh, Elvis and Tarasov. If that's going to be your NHL combination, you're going to want to have a number three guy in Cleveland who has NHL experience that you can bring up when you need him. And, and and they'll need him. Let's be honest, they'll need him. Look Elvis right now is not with the team. He's back in Latvia. Tarasov has been hurt at different times during the year. Has only played nine games. So you're going to need him, and you're going to need a guy with NHL experience, you're going to want a guy with NHL experience. You don't necessarily need a guy. Like this year, they didn't have that because they were ready to go with Tarasov and Jet Greaves, and that's fine because Tarasov is the up-and-comer and they want to get him into the NHL next year. Okay, I get it. But um, but in in the situation next year, I would think that you're going to want to have some experience that is sitting there in the American Hockey League that uh, that you can call upon when you need it because they're going to need it. You don't get through a season with only two goalies, nobody does. I mean, look look at the the Golden Knights. I was watching their game yesterday, and I I don't even know the name of the goalie that was playing in the game. So that's how it goes. You need you need a lot of guys, and uh, the guys with the NHL experience at that position, especially especially, I think, will be needed by the Blue Jackets. Let's welcome in Irwin. Hello, Irwin. Welcome to the Monday Mailbag.
3: Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning. Actually, I'm good. Pretty- yeah, I'm still in therapy over Ricard Raquel's tying goal last Tuesday night, so. Uh, <laughs> you knew it was coming. You what, Look, you knew it was coming, right? I mean, I think it was the fact that he stood there in the crease and tapped his stick on the ice three times before he got the pass that tied the game. Well, that's <laughs> I'm like, Where are that's how you do the magic trick.
0: You've got to tap it three times. If you if you don't tap it three times, you don't get the puck. That's the key. Yeah. yeah I know what you mean,
3: uh, Yeah, I'd also like to take a moment to thank Chuck Fletcher, the deposed Flyers GM, for all he did to help the Blue Jackets over the last year or so. Uh, (laughs) From sending sending Jakub Voracek back to Columbus so we could enjoy him for a year. And and I got to tell you, I think that's been Cole Sillinger's problem this year. Last year, he played on a line mostly with Voracek and Bjorkstrand. Neither one of them have been there this year for him. And I think at 18, now 19 years old, he really needed that veteran leadership on his line to help him with his game, and he didn't have it this year, and he's been having to find his way on his own a lot more. So I think that the, the missing Borchak was was a big thing there. Then the other thing that he did to help us this year was he went out after last season. He extended uh, D'Angelo for four years at five Million and Rasmus at five years and 5.1 million. And he used up all of his cap space thinking he could unload James Van Riemsdyke contract and he'd be able to go after Gaudreau. He couldn't move James Van Riemsdyke's contract, and Gaudreau wound up in Columbus. So thank you, Chuck. Hope you get another job soon, just not in Columbus.
0: <laughs> He'll get another job. Uh, the, the bad thing is, you know, Chuck is a really nice man. He really is. And that's I, – I could never understand the match with the Flyers anyway because when I think of the Flyers, I don't think nice people, although Torch is there. And, but he can be a not-so-nice person sometimes. But uh, but Chuck is a – he's a really nice guy. But, yeah, that, that organization is a mess. And I, I was reading some stories yesterday flying out here uh, about, you know, what they're, they're – there are people that are really calling for major change in Philadelphia. Because the old guard still has a lot of control over what goes on with the Flyers. And I'm talking about the two former general managers there, Bobby Clark and Mike Holmgren. They're, they're, still, they're still involved uh, very heavily in what's going on there. Bill Barber, who's a former coach and an alumni, he's very involved in what goes on there. And, and that's all well and good, but these guys are from the Broad Street bully days. In the league is not like that anymore. Even if you build a team that that just played like that and they all played like that, you'd scare the heck out of a lot of teams in this league. You'd win some games. But at the end of the day, it's now speed and skill that is what it takes to get the job done, and those guys haven't moved on from that. So, you know, there's – the the writers especially are starting to circle and circle like sharks and look uh, to push the Flyers into getting into the 21st century – of drafting and managing in the NHL?
3: Well, I told you last week I would go after Provorov for his last two years. I would give you time to help your young defenseman develop in the uh, minor leagues. I-, I think he's a good idea. I also told you I'd go after Caulfield on a uh, offer yeah. sheet, but that's all kind of contingent on if you got the dart. But what I'd like to talk about here is what if you don't get the dart? What if the worst-case scenario plays out? You fall behind Chicago and San Jose in the standings, well, or fall ahead of them in this case, and then you lose two more spaces in the lottery, and you wind up going third, fourth, or fifth. What to do? Now, Lindholm in Calgary on an expiring contract next year. right? So if you were going to try to trade for him, I'd need an extension first. But another guy who's interesting who's coming up, and there's really a lot of thought out there that they're not going to be able to retain him is Austin Matthews. And although that seems like an awful big fish to try to land, It seems like it's becoming a problem for American players like Gaudreau and Kachuk and Bo Horvat this year that they don't want to stay in Canada because they got cooped up there for six, seven, eight months during the lockdown, and they'll be darned if it's going to happen again. And there's a very good chance, I think, that the the Leafs are going to be in a conundrum with Matthews because as of July 1st, he has a no-movement clause that kicks in for the last year of that contract. And although he may not want to come to Columbus, I think you could at least just we've got the the parts so far as the the draft compensation is concerned and they'd probably want a player or two and i'm not going to lie to you boone jenner would probably be one of them but at least talk find out if he'd be interested in coming here signing an extension i mean if you don't ask or at least pursue pursue the subject then the answer is always going to be no but at least find out and now then again in extending him he's probably going to get the richest contract ever just because of the timing of it but given a year or two somebody would eventually pass it it just depends on you know how you can work it against the cap. And if you want to give up the assets or wait another year or two, but you know, you got an ownership that's restless, a fan base that's restless. And I'm sure the management sitting up there in the offices, they want to win too sooner rather than later.
0: I, you know, Austin Matthews. I mean, this is, this is a great, uh, great talk. And, and again, great thoughts to have, but you know, the rumor has been, and whether it's true or whether it's false, I don't know, but the, the rumor has been persistent, that he may want to return home to Arizona uh, to play with the Coyotes. And that sounds ridiculous right now because they're playing in a college rink that seats 5,000 and all that. But if they get that new arena approved in May, and if they build a new building in Tempe, um, you know, having Austin Matthews would be a, a pretty nice uh, drawing tool for the Arizona Coyotes. So, I mean, it, yeah, you'd, you'd have to get a commitment because if that's even in his mind, then – you know, you don't, you only want to get in on that.
3: Yeah. Well, see, and, and Toronto has a problem right now because not only do does Matthews expire at the end of next year, but so does William Nylander. And they certainly can't afford to lose both of them. I think they would have a better chance to retain Nylander there on a long term deal than they would Matthews right now.
0: Well, yeah. They, yeah, they've got a lot of, they got a lot of problems. Those are good problems they have, I guess, because that means that, uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say it means they're winning, but they haven't gotten out of the first round and that's why Kyle Dubas has just uh, pushed all his chips to the middle of, of the table this year cuz he's on an expiring deal as a general manager so um yeah that'll be an interesting situation to watch her when i mean you pick up you or you pull up a, a great point there it's uh, I, could you imagine having Austin Matthews and Johnny Gaudreau on your team
3: well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt to think big. Maybe it's not possible, but like I said, yeah. if you don't at least explore the possibility and find out how everybody feels about it, the answer is always going to be no. And we don't know if the folks down there in Arizona, where so many senior citizens live, are going to be anxious to pass a referendum that built a brand new arena. We just don't know. We'll find out in May.
0: Yeah, they they when we were there, they were pretty confident about it, but... Like you said, you, you can be confident about it until it actually happens. Uh, you don't know. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, you were saying that. You know, if you were going to inquire with the Leafs, Boone Jenner would probably be a guy that they would want. I'm. I'm going to say this: if my choice was to get Austin Matthews and I had to move Boone Jenner, I wouldn't even have to think about that for a tenth of a second. And I love Boone Jenner, but I'm making that trade. Oh, I
3: do too. Yeah, I, I do too, but. They're going to have to have some guy who can play the pivot in return if they're losing Matthews. And and we don't have a lot of depth there. I mean, you can't afford to give up, say, we don't you know, have any, any, any,
0: there's no depth there right now. That's a problem.
3: Yeah. That, I mean, that would be the best guy that we could give them back in return at this stage of the game. If they say Kent Johnson, I'm going to hesitate because I think Kent Johnson we, we don't know how good Ken Johnson can be yet, but we know he's going to be awful good.
0: Yeah, and, and he's already showing that. I mean, he's he's been kind of the uh, quiet, under-the-radar guy, right? I mean, early in the year, he was making mistakes that he doesn't make as much anymore. He still needs to get bigger and stronger and all that stuff. But, yeah, if, I, if it was me and anybody called and they had his name that they were inquiring about, you better have something really, really special to get my attention on that because my first word is no.
3: Yeah. One last thing I want to point out here is another reason why I feel a need to go get a center right now is because you've already burned up year one of the four years of Patrick Lyon's contract. And if you sit back and wait and you get stuck drafting third, fourth, or fifth, and you got to draft a guy that you got to develop for two or three years, by that time you've burned up A's contract and who knows if he wants to stay.
0: Yeah, you know what? Patrick's playing really well right now. I know he's on a point streak and all that stuff. And uh, but as you were talking, I was thinking about this when you were talking about you know, the potential to add a big name guy. If that is at the expense of Patrick Linea, then so be it. You know, I, I just yeah, I, I don't know. He's I know he's doing well, and I—I I guess I'm—I'm I'm just sitting there. I'm—I'm I'm looking at a guy that in the past has scored 40 goals in a season, and I'm—I I'm, keep waiting for that. And he's had what is he at now? 21, and he's been hurt a couple of times this year, and he's missed some games. I know, but um, he's a. He's a strange kind of player because there are some nights that I actually will get done. I'll get on the bus and I'll be like, what did Patrick Liney do tonight? And then you go back and you look and you go, oh, he had two assists. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I'm waiting to see, what I'm hoping to see. Uh, he's, uh, he's a strange player. But at some point, like it, it, at some point when it comes into to contracts, um, you know, he might be a guy. He might not be here beyond that four years. He might not be here for that four years. Who knows? Let's see how that plays yeah. out.
3: Yep. All right. Hey, it's always good to talk to you, Bob. All right. Thank have you, Erwin.
0: I appreciate it. Yep. yep. You too. Have a great week. It's uh, very easy to get on the show. All you have to do if you're on Twitter spaces is just uh, request to be a speaker. Uh, let's go to Twitter here at Bobby Mac Sports. Travis says, do you think we'll see any load management in terms of games or minutes for Boone? His back injury was a big concern before the season. Travis? No, I do not. First of all. There was load management when Boone was out for a month with that thumb injury that he had. So that took him off the board for weeks. So that cut it down. Sean Corrales is out. Boone Jenner is your most consistent face-off guy. You need him to win draws in the offensive zone, in the defensive zone, and you're not going to take him out of the lineup. You're just not. So there will be no load management. And again, when you're looking at less than 20 games left, Who cares? Even if his back started hurting today and he couldn't play the rest of the season. Let's be honest. You're in last place. And you're okay with finishing in last place. So, no, there will be no load management on Boone Jenner. Andy says, last season at the end, Elvis played almost every game to see if he can handle the load. When he returns, do you think the coaching staff will do the same with him? Yeah, I think Elvis was already slated to play pretty much uh, every game. That's not a back-to-back. You know, coming in, Michael Hutchinson was, first of all, Michael's happy to be here, very happy to be here. He was in a situation where he was with Vegas. He was in the American Hockey League. They had three goaltenders. He wasn't getting to play. And so this gives him an opportunity to be back in the NHL, number one, and number two, to get a little bit of work. And coming in, if I was him, I would have looked at the schedule and went, okay, well, here's a back-to-back. I'll play the second game of this one. Here's a back-to-back. I'll play the second game. I'm going to get four or five starts before the end of the season. And then what happened? Well, Elvis got pulled in Ottawa. Elvis left the game with illness in Pittsburgh. And then Elvis is now away from the team, and Michael has gotten in three straight games, one of those as a starter. So um, that's the way it's going to be the rest of the year. When Elvis comes back, he's going to play. But I – would expect Hutchinson will play in the back-to-back situations. Troy says, in your in your estimation, how many years would it take for each of these prospects to become NHL-ready? David Yerichek. All right, I'm just going to take them one at a time. Yerichek, to be NHL-ready, uh, I think he'll play here all of next year. I think it'll take him that full season. So I'll, I will say that he, one year for him. Okay, maybe a year and a half, but I'll say one year for David Yeracek. And again, it's because he's playing in the American League this year. It's already gotten a good taste of how to play in North America. Svozil, Stanislav Svozil. How long for him? He's a junior this year. It's going to come in next year, probably go to Cleveland. Uh, I'm going to say three years for Svozil. Matechuk, three years. Coleman's Mm, oh, this is a This is a difficult one because he just came out of college. He's going to go to Cleveland to play the rest of the year. But I'm going to say two years after this year. Jordan Dumay and Luca del Belous, both in junior, both having good seasons. Both putting up well, Dumay's putting up great numbers. I'm not convinced. Those numbers are going to translate to the National Hockey League. Uh, not, at, not at the rate that he's scoring right now in the Quebec, junior, in the Quebec Major Junior League. No way. No way. Um, but him, and, and three years. Three years minimum. Minimum three years, in my opinion. So we're looking at a long time. That's why we're talking about what kind of guys can you get to fill in and become competitive again, get back to the playoffs while those guys develop all at the same time. I mean, because ideally, let's be honest, this whole Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov for a lot of it, all of these guys maturing and developing in the National Hockey League is not the way to go. The Blue Jackets have gone that way because of where they are with their talent right now. They're at a point where it didn't matter if Kent Johnson was developing in the NHL or in the AHL because they're, you know, last year you weren't going to the playoffs. This year you thought you might be, but you find out early on that you're not. So, you know, what's the sense? The only way to go back to Cleveland is if they're going to the playoffs and and you want those guys to get postseason experience. Other than that, who cares where they develop? You've got a young coaching staff, a developmental coaching staff in Columbus with Brad Larson and his staff. It doesn't matter if you're developing there. However, once you start to go forward and you start to become competitive again to where you're going to compete for a playoff spot and get into the playoffs, then you want the Jordan Dumais and the Luca Del Bell Belus to go to the American Hockey League for a season and get that experience and get that development and learn how to be a pro and then bring them up and put them into the mix when they have that experience. These guys, anybody on this list that was just mentioned, that I that list that I just went through, anybody on that list, I don't want to see dropped right into the NHL. I want to see them go and develop in the American Hockey League. check's already doing it, so next year he can come here. I'm fine with that, but... It's Fozil, Matejuk, Kulamans, Dume, Delbel I would love for them to be in Cleveland developing, being a part of a good Cleveland team at the same time. The Blue Jackets get some pieces and become more competitive here. Get some older players and bring them in here and, and play with them and let the young guys develop the way they should. You haven't had to do that these last two years because of where you are, but let him get, it, get it back in line. Get back in line to where you're competitive. You're doing the things that you need to do in the NHL, and these guys can go and develop and then get here when they're ready and when they're ready to contribute, not, not just that they're here. They're here, and they're, they're ready to be a factor. That's what you got to get back to. Daryl says, when do you expect Elvis to be back? And, of course, Elvis has left. His, his grandmother was very ill. He went to uh, Latvia to be with her. When do I expect him back? I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. Haven't heard anything about when he's coming back, and I am just not sure. Uh, Let me see. What do we got here? Morgan Bennett. Morgan says, do you think that the Cleveland Monsters make the playoffs and who comes up and who goes down? Well, the only one that can go down is Cole Sillinger if they make the playoffs because he's – He's on the list. They put his name on the list prior to the trade deadline. So, Cole can go down and play if they make the playoffs. I don't know. It is so tight. It is doggone tight in that division that they're uh, that they're playing in right now. And I, I just I, – I don't know. they are only two points out. You know, Yarmo said when we did our trade deadline show, he said that he wanted to see Trey Fix-Wilansky come back up. I'd like to give him another – Another pop here because he's putting up some really good really good numbers in Cleveland. Yeah, okay, that, that's fine. But do you take that guy out of the lineup? If you're trying to make the playoffs there, can you afford to take Trey fix out? And and listen, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, to me, Trey fix has been up here a couple of times and maybe hasn't gotten a chance to be here for an extended period. But sometimes when you get the opportunity, you've got to come up and you've got to make uh, a big impression. To to stay, and he hasn't done that any other times that he's been up here. So, why the rush to get him up here? I know, I know why. Again, he's putting up great numbers down there. They want to show him, hey, we're still thinking of you. We still have faith in you. We still, we're we're still happy with what you're doing. We want to show you that by bringing you up to the NHL and letting you play. I get that. I I do understand that. But it are they going to do that at the expense of maybe that team not making the playoffs? I I don't know. I really don't know. CBJ fan had the same uh, kind of thoughts. With Cleveland in a playoff race, do you think we'll see any call-ups in the last 10 games or so? I think a few guys deserve a call-up. and hard to imagine that they do that while they're trying to make the postseason. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just talking about. Exactly what I was saying to you. So I don't I don't know what they're going to do with that. I, re- I really don't. I'm not sure what the... The thought process is there. I'm not sure what uh, they want to do. Again, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure they would like to bonus some guys that are doing well down there. And I, and I understand that. I really do understand it. The worst thing is that they're not comfortably in a playoff spot. If they were, I think you would see the Fix Walansky up here. I know they want to bring your check back up uh, for another couple of games before it's all said and done too. But do you do that at the expense of that team where they are in the standings right now? I do not know. Uh, Andrew says, did you see where Bedard said he would love to play for the Blue Jackets because the fans are diehard and he's also friends with Kent Johnson? I didn't see where he said that. I read Aaron Portsline's piece in The Athletic where he asked Bedard about, uh, the potential of playing with his good friend, Kent Johnson. And he very diplomatically answered the question saying that, uh, it would be an honor to play in the NHL no matter what team that he plays for. But, yes, it would be fun to play with Kent Johnson. And, yeah, I'm sure he would love to play with Kent. I'm sure he, it would be wonderful. I mean, you imagine, like, this kid is 18 years old, and he's going to come in to the National Hockey League next year with every bit of attention on him from all over the world, quite frankly. There is going to be a lot of intense scrutiny and pressure right off the bat. And if you could walk into a team that is in a market where you're not going to get bothered every single day, and where people are going to be respectful of your time, and um, and you get to do it with a really good friend who's already gone through it and can help you by, uh, you know, showing you around and and letting you know how things work in the organization and all of that, that would be tremendous. I would love that situation if I were Connor Bedard, because there would be so many things that you worry about as a human that would just be off the table. You wouldn't have to worry about nearly as many things. So uh, so I'm sure he would love it. But, again, I, I I do respect the fact that he diplomatically answered the question because that's what you got to do, especially when you're a player of that caliber. You're, you're not going to make waves, and you're not going to say anything that people are going to pick up on and, and try to spin into something. So uh, so good for him. He's a smart kid, obviously. Tyler Ratterer says – what do you think the outlook is for next season? Are we looking at another development year, or do you think the management will have expectations of winning, of a winning record and a push for the playoffs after such an abysmal season? Well, they don't want to do this again. I'll tell you that right now. They didn't think they were going to do it this year, so they certainly don't want to do it again. Um, I, I think they'll be looking, again, they're, they're looking to add to the defense. They are hoping to get a centerman in the draft and then see what happens after that but uh, they will be looking for a winning record and looking for a chance to go to the playoffs next year. That's where that's where they thought they were going to be this year. They thought they were going to have a chance to go to the playoffs, it didn't work out. And they're looking now to add a really skilled player at the top of the draft and to get back into a push for the playoffs next year. Now, one thing I used to do more so than now because of Twitter spaces, you can actually ask your question and we can we can converse back and forth, but it wasn't that long ago where I was saying, hey, if you want to record a question on your phone, you can do that. You can email it to me, Bobby Mack at bluejackets.com. And Greg used to do that a lot and uh, hasn't done it lately. But this week, he actually checked in with a question.
1: Hello, Bob. It's Greg in Cleveland. Um, some months back, you had Jeff Rimmer on an episode of the Inside Edge, and he mentioned the opinion that, the Blue Jackets are notorious for calling up young talent far too early, effectively damaging their development and their careers as a result. Would you agree with that? Um, Because my follow-up with that is, like, if so, and if if he's faulting the Jackets this season for that, like, they really haven't had a choice. There have been so many injuries. They've had to pick apart the Monsters roster uh, throughout the season and um, even, you know, up to the very end here. So... Um, do you think that's a legitimate complaint? And if so, who on the current roster do you think is a uh a product of that?
0: Well, Greg, yeah, well I just kind of went through all of that stuff and I think um look, every management team gets to a point where they they can rush their players. And, you know, sometimes Sometimes you just want to see them. You, you think that you think that they're ready or, or you want to justify sometimes in some cases, some GMs, I'm not saying in this case, but some GMs, they want to justify the guy that they picked. and so they hurry them a little bit. It is hard to stay patient, especially when it's so cutthroat in this league and, and the winning and losing are just you know, the, the focus of every day. So it is very hard to stay patient. And the Blue Jackets have had that happen. In the past, um, you know, I I go back to uh, Nikita Filatov when they got him. And he was a first-round pick. And he was playing in the American Hockey League. And then they they just had to have him in Columbus. Had to have him. Had to have him in a playoff run where he wasn't even playing just because they wanted him to experience all that goes into the National Hockey League playoffs. In the meantime, they took him off an American Hockey League team that was pushing for the playoffs – and he was actually playing really well at that time, took him so he could sit in the press box and experience things. Made no sense to me. Zero sense at the time. Uh, but that's what happens sometimes. Sometimes sometimes you want to justify it. Sometimes, you know, there's the, the agents bugging the heck out of you, and, and you just do it. There are a lot of reasons for it. But as I was saying earlier, on this team – you know, Cole Sillinger being here last year, he earned that right. And there was no need for him to go to Cleveland and develop. Kent Johnson, no need to go to Cleveland and develop. Uh, he's been developing in the National Hockey League. So, I really don't think it's that way this year. Um, you know, Tim Burney, he would have never gotten to the National Hockey League if there wouldn't have been so many injuries on the blue line. I shouldn't say never gotten here, but he wouldn't have gotten a chance to play as an everyday guy and and get himself a spot in the top 4. He wouldn't have if there hadn't been so many injuries this year. So, you know, they were patient with a guy like that, but uh, but yeah, it's it, everybody does it. Everybody does it to an extent. So, Greg, I wouldn't uh Blue Jackets aren't in that in that spot right now, but as I was talking about a little bit earlier, with those guys like the Dumais and the Del Bell Blues and the Sfozils, those guys stay patient. Build a team in the NHL so that you can stay patient with those guys and let them develop, and then bring them in when they're ready to contribute. That That's it. So that will be, when you see that group, Greg, that's where you'll see what the patience is like right there. You know, And there are other times, too, quite honestly, where a guy like dominates in the American Hockey League, and he puts up all these points and, and does these great things, and then you're like, okay, he's ready, and you bring him up, and then you find out oh, he's not ready. He's got to go back then he goes back and he sulks, and then he's not as good as he was the first time he was there. And, and now we've got a mental problem as well as a, a physical problem and until they get all through it. So there's so many variables, so, so many variables. Uh, what else do I have here on Twitter? Oh, there's here's a great comment from Simmons fan. And uh, Blue Jackets suck. Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Glad you took time out of your day to to write that. I mean – they are in last place, so I have no argument for you right now. But uh, I uh, what? I wouldn't even take three seconds out of my day to sit and and write that and send it to somebody. I don't I don't understand the mentality of it, but whatever floats your boat, as they say. Uh, Brian Edwards says, "How is your check looking in Cleveland? Is he progressing? Yes, he is. He's looking very good in Cleveland, and that's why we might see him again here before it's all said and done." And I'm going to leave you with this last question from Daryl. Daryl says, "Thoughts on the high school state championship this weekend?" Well, I worked the semifinal games and watched University School beat uh, Sylvania Northview to advance to the championship. Then I watched Olin Tangi Liberty play against Saint Ignatius and advance to the championship. I will tell you this: I only saw Liberty one other time during the course of the year, and that was in the championship game for the Blue Jackets Cup, and they played against Tanji Berlin. And they played well. Uh, they, they won the game easily. They won a lot of their games easily this year. They lost only one time throughout the entire season, and they lost to St. Ed's out of Cleveland. So they had Ignatius in that uh, semifinal game. Ignatius plays a triple A schedule. They don't it, it, it it's amazing to me how it works, but Ignatius is so much better than so many other teams that they play these this travel schedule and everybody else is playing against each other. I mean, they have to play against the other teams eventually. And then when you get into the state tournament, you got to you got to play them to qualify and keep moving up the ladder. But Ignatius is a uh, they're a beast. They have been a beast for a long time. And I was Disappointed that that's who Liberty got in the draw because I was thinking if there's a team that can beat them, this is probably the team. And watching that game, I cannot tell you how impressed I was because Ignatius got on top two to nothing early. Uh, Liberty mishandled a puck behind the net, turned it over right out in the slot, cost them a goal. They give up another one. They're down two to nothing. And in state, uh, state final fours that I've done in the past. If St. Ignatius gets out to a 2 to nothing lead, that's pretty much a done deal. Game's over at that point. And Liberty, to their credit, they just came back. They got a power play goal to cut the lead in half. Then they tied the game, and then right after that, they took the lead. And then uh, Ignatius got a, a goal right off the faceoff, shorthanded, tied it to 3 And Liberty got back on top 4-3, to and then they just played a lot of responsible hockey. And I I talked to their coach, Coach Alexander, after uh, the Blue Jackets Cup game. And he said he was was, – at the time after that game, he was like, man, we've got a lead in the third period. It's a championship game. I've got defensemen just engaging and pinching down the wall and getting out of position. And and he goes, we can't have that. We've got to be more responsible – in that kind of a scenario, which they did it because they were just killing everybody all year. They could do whatever they want, but he knew he had the foresight to know that we're going to get into the state tournament and we're going to have a big game. And if we have the lead, we've got to protect it. And there was that time they had that four to three lead against the number one team in the state and they protected it and they protected it really well. Um, their goaltender, I was, I, I really had question marks about him going into the game because I'm looking at the scores and they're winning games ten to five, seven to two, eight to one. Look, you can be a terrible goaltender and still get a win if your team's scoring eight or ten goals. But um, you know, in in a lot of those games, the puck was at the other end of the ice the entire night. He he didn't even have to do anything. So I was really wondering how good of a goalie he was because I don't think he was ever tested throughout the course of the year. Uh, Maybe, I'm sure he was at some point that I didn't see, but, you know, he came up with huge saves in the third period. Huge saves in that game. And I left the building on Saturday, and I said, if Olentangy Liberty does not win the state championship tomorrow, there is something seriously wrong, because they were the better team. They were the best team that I saw on Saturday, and they went out yesterday, and they proved that they are the best team in the state and they put six goals up on university school. Charlie Hughes, this is what a difference one guy can make in high school hockey. It's funny because one guy doesn't make a huge difference in the NHL. You know, the Blue Jackets get Johnny Gaudreau. That doesn't mean they're a sure-fire playoff team, but in high school hockey, you know, Charlie Hughes played for the AAA Blue Jackets. Last year, he went and played with a AAA team in New Jersey. He comes back, joins his buddies, and they just want to win the whole thing, and this guy was head and shoulders better than anybody else. You could just tell. Every time he had the puck, he was dangerous. Made great passes, scored great goals, and he had four yesterday. Four goals in the 6-2 to win. So congratulations to Olentangy Liberty. They become the first team from Central Ohio to win a state championship in ice hockey, as they say, in the uh, OHSAA, the governing body of high school sports in Ohio. Uh, They become the first team. You know, it's always a team from Cleveland or a team from Toledo. And uh, in Columbus, it's been always the bridesmaid, never the bride. There was a team from Dublin, Jerome, a couple of years ago that advanced to the championship game, but then they lost the championship game. So Liberty becomes the second team to get to the championship and the first team to win it. And that is a great testament to... How hockey has developed in Central Ohio. Now there are still only a couple of teams going into every season that really have a chance to win. To be honest with you, Liberty is one of those. Um, you know, Jerome has been down the last couple of years, but historically, you know that is a that is a team that has a chance right from the get go. This old and tangy Berlin team looks like it's going to be strong. So maybe they'll get into the mix. St. Charles usually has an opportunity. That's the one that blows my mind. They're a private school. I I, I don't know why they don't load up and, and really give themselves a great chance. Maybe they can't. I, I don't know. Maybe the – well, one of the things there is the academics are number one at that school, and hockey is not. <laughs> so, you know, as it should be, I guess. But anyway, uh, there are only a couple of schools that really have the opportunity to to make something happen in Central Ohio every year. But Olentangy Liberty finally made it happen. They finally got their payday. And it's it's a win for all of Central Ohio. It really is. It is a huge win for the hockey community and all of the work that has been done over the last 20-plus years developing high school hockey in the Columbus area and even down to Cincinnati. I mean, the Cincinnati teams, the better ones come up and they play in the Capital Hockey Conference. You know, Archbishop Moeller plays there. Saint uh, Xavier plays in in the league there, because uh, the hockey is better. So it's a it's a great testament to all of those who, over the past two decades plus, have put so much work into developing hockey and making it better. And that payoff was yesterday. And we were on the plane, and I was I was watching the score on Twitter, and I was thinking to myself. You know, the only regret I have that I wasn't able to do the championship game is I would have loved to do that game, and I already know how I would have ended the game. I know what call I would have used at the end of the game, and it simply is this. After the clock ran out, I would have said, it's Patriots Day. Because for the Olentangy Liberty Patriots, it was their day, and it was a great day for hockey in Central Ohio. So thank you for asking me about that. I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad I got to pontificate a little bit about the high school game. And uh, what a great tournament that it was. Great competition in all of the games this weekend at Nationwide Arena. Well, speaking of games, the Blue Jackets have one of those, and it's coming up tomorrow in San Jose when they take on the Sharks Looking to looking to stay in last place. Oh, gosh. I hate saying that. But the Blue Jackets and the Sharks ready to go tomorrow night. 10.30 back in Columbus. Pregame coverage at 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Until then, I'm Bob McElleg. So long.